mine, Iron Form. They're gonna go nuts when he hits this thing. <laughs> Yo, yo, yo. Welcome in, golf fans. This is the Preferred Lines podcast and live stream. My name is Joe Idoni. You can find me on X at Tour Picks. We're here to recap the Mexico Open. We finally got a winner. We're going to break down PGA National, and then we're going to give some picks to win. The Cognizant Classic of the Palm Beaches is... Still doesn't feel right. This is my hometown event, though. I'm fired up to get over to PGA National this week. I'm fired up to bring my boy in, who I've played this course with on many occasions in tournament conditions, to uh, break everything down this week. But before I do so, got to mention this show is proudly presented by the good people scrolling across your bottom over at Rotoballer. Um, the promo code you can use there is LINES. That'll get you 10% off any sort of subscription that you want to go with there weekly monthly they've got all the offerings um it is what i believe the best deal in the industry you get access to all of the analytics the numbers the the quantitative guy is my boy model maniac spencer um and then you get things like myself who doesn't really look at any stats or data but um hey i'm on a hell of a run with matchups 16 of my last 20 matchups in the head-to-head rotoballer discord are winners that's an 80 percent win rate um unmatched trust me Friendly reminder to all those new listeners and old that I enjoy a good thumbs up, a like, maybe a retweet, but most of all, go to that YouTube page for Preferred Lines. Make sure to subscribe to that channel if you drop a comment there. That's where I give away winners. That's where I give away, like, you earn a t-shirt, you get a hat, I like you, I'm going to send you some gear, um, get you all swagged out with some PL gear. Thank you very much. Appreciate you all joining us. And now, without further ado, to break down this event in our hometown, the man we know as R. Bear Off. What is it? 427? 427. Yep. 427. What's up, RB? Happy to be here. Looking forward to another good uh, Honda Classic. Yeah, dude, I'm kind of sad that we're, uh, you know, since we uh, stopped making giant donations, we didn't get the invite <laughs> this year to come play in the event. But it was a ton of fun. Ryan and I, for those of you who don't know, it was like three or four consecutive years, got invited to play in the Monday after the Honda event. So they left the Sunday pins. They left the tournament conditions completely the same. We played as a two-man team. And it was one of the cooler experiences on a golf course that I think I've ever had. You got the grandstands all up. Um, green speeds at a different level. Like that was my biggest takeaway of playing that place in tournament conditions was the speed of the greens and how difficult not only putting was, but it was to chip it close from on and around sort of the green. What was your sort of biggest takeaway from having that experience? Pretty similar. I just say the firmness of the greens. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, a decent player when I'm playing well, but even trying to stop a bunker shot, right uh anywhere near the hole I, I i just found that very difficult uh especially when you get the windy conditions so yeah i'm happy that we i'm happy that we kept this event more than anything <laughs> the new sponsor moves in of course sad to lose honda but it's one of the best attended events annually on the pga tour schedule in terms of ticket sales um it's sort of a, a it's sort of like 
a dialed back version of waste management. I mean, it gets a little rowdy there on the weekends, especially at some of those military tents and on and around the bear trap. Um, excited that we have a sponsor. We get a good field this year, much better than we've gotten like the last five years. There were some big surprises. I was happy to see like Matt Fitzpatrick and some other guys. Were you a bit surprised that we got some big names sort of late commit last week? Yeah, I think it was one of those things that I, I kind of had a feeling that we were going to get a better feel than usual because there was the week off between RIV, right? Last year, they came from RIV right here and then API, you know, Valspar players, et cetera. And I think jamming Mexico in there, um, I think a lot of these guys wanted a tune-up before going to Bay Hill and the players. Yeah, I've heard some, I guess, some noise and some tweets in the atmosphere that we sort of circle around about the strength of these events similar to this one in general has kind of gone up. We've seen a lot more of the more bigger names sort of commit to these type of um, events that they may not have previously. What that has done is sort of potentially, it seems, diminished some of the opportunities for maybe some of the Corn Ferry Tour players or the typical tour grinders to be able to have opportunities to get in this field. I know, I know you're a guy like you were the one that got me on Jake Knapp. Mm -hmm. We're beating this drum at the end of last year. This is going to be my guy next year that I'm going to bet. It's the whole reason I was on him last week. Do you see it sort of that way that it's potentially diminishing some of the opportunities and playing spots available for these guys when you get Fitzpatrick and Cam Young and Tom Kim all sort of commit last minute to a big event like this? Totally. I mean, a lot of those guys, I think Mexico is uh, probably their third start of the year. Right. It's um, unusual. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm not overly surprised now with the condensed schedule because a lot of these guys, I mean, obviously, you know, they haven't played in months. They want to get as much golf in right now because after, like, when you get to the Masters, it's pretty much, you know, major elevated, major elevated, major elevated uh, for the rest of the year. There's just not room for any of these other events. Um, so, look, I'm glad we have a good field here. But, yeah, it's definitely tough on those uh, the Corn Ferry guys and the Euro guys who got their card. Like, they're getting some starts too, but – like if Valamaki didn't get these stars, right? Where would he be? He was the last guy in, right? When um, if Matthew Pavon was out, stars, right? Yeah, yeah. If if yeah. if Matthew Pavon didn't get that start, uh, who knows where he would be? So. Yeah, Grayson Murray and Nat both came up off the Corn Ferry Tour. They're mm -hmm. a Corn Ferry Tour, and they're two of our winners. Obviously, you mentioned Pavon. Yep. We're in a weird spot with I think there's really no runaway candidates for guys that have separated from the rest yeah. of the field. Like I was looking at the top five in the OWGR today and mm -hmm. it makes sense, but it's Scotty, Rom, Rory, um, Victor, or excuse me, Scotty, Rory, Rom, Victor, Xander. It's weird. Cause I don't think any of them are playing that well or reaching anywhere near their potential. It's hard to yeah. really argue with Rom. Rory's had a slow start, at least on the PGA Tour to start the season. The frustrations continue to boil with Scotty Scheffler. I don't know where Victor Hovland is at with his game right now, and Xander is lingering, and I think probably mm -hmm. in the best, most consistent form of the bunch without Scotty sort of being in there, but um, just isn't winning. Like, where do you agree with that top five? Who would you rank as the top five in your RBGR <laughs> rankings? I mean, I was thinking about it because, like, how do you put Xander in there? But his his finishes have still been good, even though yeah. he doesn't ever, you know, he doesn't ever threaten to win. Yeah, um, yeah I, I, look, Scotty has still elevated himself, right? The putter is a problem, but he's, he's very clearly uh, number one right now. I mean, I would probably throw Max Homa 
uh, at five over uh, Xander, just because he's won, right? He's he's, yeah. he's kind of proven it there. Um, if we get a motivated Dustin Johnson this year, and you know, I could see him popping off a major too, but I just I just don't think he's motivated right now. You know, it's like these PGA Tour guys just aren't mm-hmm. winning, and they aren't yeah. capitalizing on these opportunities. So I look at someone like Cantlay and Xander and even Hovland at the moment, mm-hmm. like, what have you done for me lately type of deal. And I'm like, you know what? It could easily, you could swap those three, Cantlay, Xander, Hovland out for like Brooks, DJ, Bryson. Mm-hmm. And like yeah. you end up with four of the top five that are currently playing on the live tour. And we're really not that far off. Like the difference between Xander or Victor and like go down 15 spots to like mm-hmm. Sam Burns is like 20th is not that big of a difference between those two players. Not, no, not how they're playing right now. Right. And I think, yeah, it's, it's partly motivation factor. Um, I get this question a lot because people like to bet major futures, right? And I always get asked, like, who are you betting for me? I don't bet futures, right? I have one, and it was the Oberg number at 101 at the Masters because at the time it was a bad number. He's young. He's motivated. He was still playing well. I just, it, like, if I had to pick someone now, yeah, I'd probably pick Scotty Shuffler because, you know, he'll figure it out. But I don't have confidence in, in anybody at the top, no. And it's like one of those guys, they're so close to like closing that gap and overtaking one of those players. Like, honestly, Mm -hmm. Ludwig wins Bay Hill and like I'm putting him over Xander. I might be putting him over Victor, like Sam Burns win the players. And like he's all of a sudden like my number three player in the world at that moment. I'll give you one more. Zalatoris wins the Masters. Yeah. Very, very reasonable outcome right now. And I think that would uh, for sure put him in the top five. So. Yeah, speaking of the live guys, we got to talk about it today. Norman threw out the teaser in the <laughs> desert sand. Um, Anthony Kim is back. Mm-hmm. Could they have possibly picked a worse event and timing-wise to roll out the biggest story? It Maybe not the biggest, the second biggest story in like all of live, and it, you're yeah. going to have it on in the middle of the night. And no, I, I nobody's setting an alarm to watch that on, on the CW. No, I look, and I will give them the benefit of the doubt here because it's a good get right it's it's awesome. a good signing for them um i'm sure they would have loved to have him at the vegas event uh i'm sure he had a lot of things in his insurance policy and contract that he wanted to iron out um i'm not going to go out of my way to get up and watch it but if i'm around i will certainly watch it um i'm certainly like everybody i'm, I'm just interested to see if he he tells the story if he says you know where he's been what he's been doing there's been some sightings here and there. He's playing golf here and there. But like nobody really knows what he's been doing for the past decade. He's not married, I don't think. Doesn't have any kids. Probably wasn't working. Like who knows what this guy's been doing? Yeah, uh, I think he was in a lot of blackjack halls out there in <laughs> Vegas and like a, some yeah. late nights, probably uh, at the nightclubs. But we'll see. I'm excited to watch him too. I, you know, the PGA Tour is on shifting back to there and sort of their storylines. They were quick to get very excited and reach for a little social clout with the old Charlie Wood stuff playing over at Wellington National this weekend that went yeah. poorly. I I don't really want to talk about Charlie. I, I think people are talking about it too much, but I do want to talk about Tiger because yeah. it was my opinion, and this was never going to happen, but it was my opinion that he should have played this week. Um, it's an event that doesn't require travel. He can stick to his trainers. He can stick to his gym. He can stick to his regimen. He can stick to yeah. his PT guy. And he basically got a round and a half in at Riv. And 
people act like here's my biggest problem with them is, is people are like, well, he said he's only going to play once a month. It's not like this guy goes into like a hyperbaric ice chamber in the month yeah. and comes and breaks his shell once a month and is like, okay, I'm here to play and I'm good. He's working seven, eight hours a day on the golf course. He's mm -hmm. doing, I would imagine, six days a week, a very similar schedule to what his playing days are like on the PGA Tour to get himself ready. I know he is no stranger to hard work. I mm -hmm. just think that he needs reps. And when you go back to that 2019 Masters and you look at the lead-in to what he was able to reach that pinnacle once again, and it was built on tournament reps. He played the Honda. He played Bay Hill. He played, I think, Valsport. Like, he was playing a ton of golf early in the season to get himself ready and sure. geared up for that moment. I don't know that that's necessarily the reality, but if he's not going to play this week, do you think we see him at the players? Is Bayo a consideration, or is he basically shelved until Augusta National? Yeah, um, I think you will see him at the players. Uh, okay. I do think we're going to see one more. Um, I assume, well, yeah, I assume he could get a sponsor's invite to Bay Hill if he asked for one, but um, he's already qualified for the players. I think he's in both this year and next year, so he's got. How does he qualify for the players? I believe from his master's win. Okay. I think it was five years, and then they added one for COVID. So I think he's good okay. through uh, 2025. So, yeah, I, I do expect to see him there. Um, I was encouraged, I, I, I guess, a little bit from what we saw at Ribs. He'd be walking well. Um, obviously, you know, the short game was kind of rusty at the start. Uh, but, I mean, no surprise there. He doesn't play on POA anymore. He doesn't practice on POA anymore. So, Yeah. <clears throat> We saw, I guess, the the biggest change this year besides the name of the title sponsor of this event. Mm -hmm. um, they're changing par on the 10th hole, which irked me a little bit. It may be more than it should have, but they've essentially moved that hole back 20 mm -hmm. yards. Um, and ultimately, I don't think that makes it much harder. We've both played that hole unless they have experimented with some internal OB to the mm -hmm. right side there. I would yeah. imagine that's probably implemented again this week, but they've made a lot of very subtle, quiet changes at PGA National over the last mm -hmm. five years. They expanded all the greens in 2018. They made them bigger. They made them more accessible with hole locations. Mm -hmm. um, they redid some of the bunkers and added more sand. What they did to 17, I thought was weird and nobody really paid attention. So, so 17 used to play like 200 yards. Then they had to build out this triple decker stadium behind yeah. that hole. And there wasn't enough room, as you know, between that and the 11th hole behind it. So they moved that hole up. We played it at like 200 yards. And then we yeah. went back like 200, like two years later. And it was all of a sudden 140 yard shot. Yeah. So they've made these efforts to, I think, make the scoring more palatable i'll say mm -hmm. to professional players and i guess that's who they're trying to appease here and get more to this event but does something like changing the par to a par five and maybe making scores go from minus nine to minus 12 something that helps them there because it's it it's going to play right around like 4.2 strokes everyone's going to birdie that hole it'll yeah. be last year it played 4.05 on the weekend mm -hmm. uh, it's going to be one of the easiest par fives on the PGA tour schedule, in my opinion, and I think it was the wrong move. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I don't really, I, I think the last few times we played there, it was back in the wind. Like I, I think I, I hit three wood in there last time we played, which for me, obviously that, that that's a lot of club. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think um, it's, it's kind of a weird hole. Cause like you said, it, it's a slight dog leg, right. But you can't blow it right. Or you're dead in that bunker or kind of behind the trees. 
if you hit it down the left-hand side, you run through the fairway down into that rough and you're just sort of punching out, maybe getting to the bunker. I, I just think guys weren't hitting that green enough for them to keep justifying it as a par four. So yeah, maybe it's a little more exciting. It's obviously easier now that they can make eagles and stuff like that. Um, but it just, it just wasn't an interesting hole and maybe now it would be a little more interesting. Yeah. All right, let's get in. Let's talk a little bit more about the course here. All right, I'm going to give my sort of cliff notes on PGA National, and then you have anything to add, Ryan, of course, chime in at any moment. But obviously, Jack Nicholas design, it's at PGA National Resort. There are, I believe, now five courses there because they built one of these new courses where there is no par, um, which is kind of unique, and you can play all these different tee boxes. But it's the only Nicholas design on property. Um, like I mentioned, there have been those sort of modest, maybe overlooked renovations that have, I think, made the course play easier in recent years. Um, and you can kind of see it in the scoring. Although ultimately, this place is always the scoring 100% of this place is dictated by the wind. So make sure to pay attention to that this week. But Chris Kirk at 14 under one last year, Sepstrock at 10 the year before, Matt Jones at 12. That was the last three years. The three years before that, Sung JM at six under, Keith Mitchell at nine, Justin Thomas at minus eight. So you can see there the difference in scoring the last three years has been a little bit easier. Um, I've One of the things I noticed at PGA National is if your miss is to the right, and you've played with me, Ryan, where you know my <laughs> overcut there to the right, um, it's a big problem at PGA National. The following holes all are protected. The right side of the hole, almost the entire length from tee box to green, is protected by either water or a white OB stake. Two, three, but then you get to the back nine. 10, 11, 12, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, all have water to the right. Um, if you're a player who misses to that side, and I know there are some websites out there to run models and you can kind of sort and filter by this. Uh, I think it's a good idea. And I don't think it's a coincidence necessarily that if you look at the players in most recent years, like Chris Kirk or Eric Cole, Sepp Straka, Matt Jones, they're all players, I think, with a very heavy draw bias to their swing. So it may be something that's just anecdotal the last couple of years, but something that I've noticed, um, GCSAA fact sheet says 15 holes with water in play. I don't really think it's in play on 15 holes. Um, you're going to have above average fairways in regulation this week. And I believe that's because the majority of there's really only anywhere between six and nine holes where the pros need drivers. You can club down, try to hit fairways. You know, one of the things that I was looking at, and I think is a very sneaky one, if you want to get different this week and Maybe people are hip to this. I haven't listened to any podcasts today, but I think distance actually is a major sneaky advantage here. Um, if you go back a number of years, it's a course where Rory has won, where Tiger has competed. He was runner up. Actually, uh, when Ti Anthony Kim, I looked today, was runner up mm -hmm. here in 2010. That was my first time at the Honda. But even yeah. the year that Henley won, Rory was runner up. 2016, Adam Scott and Sergio Garcia. 2017, Fowler, who Fowler was really long that year, and Gary Woodland. 2018 was Justin Thomas and Luke List. 2019 was Keith Mitchell and Brooks Kepka. Um, hell, even your boy Brandon Hagee finished second here like two years ago. Maybe yeah. distance is a sneaky one to kind of look at. And of course, you're going to have that volatility. So from a DFS standpoint, I think maybe it may be more advantageous to look at 
guys who are more plotters and fairway finders because you're going to have the spikes of guys who are really good and guys who completely implode who are really long off the tee. But I think if you want a winner, distance is important because if that guy who's 20 to 30 yards longer than the rest is clicking that week and can manage to avoid a major penalty, um, they have a great chance to win. Lastly, scrambling, chipping, sand saves, all really important. There is no bailout here. And I talked to Denny McCarthy a few months ago, and I remembered his point here. And he's like, if your ball striking is a hair off, this place is going to expose the shit out of you. Because what you're going to do is you're going to protect yourself from the water. And as you know, on like 15, 16, 17, the bailout is to avoid the water and go in those bunkers on the other side of the green. And that is an extremely difficult up and down. There's like no sand there. The green then slopes into the water and almost nobody on 15 or 17 with the speed of the greens and the slope gets that sand shot up and down. It's very rare. So the bailout is not there. You have to stand up and you have to hit a great golf shot and take on the pin, which is where a lot of people have disaster here. Um, anything for you to add on sort of my notes on the course? Yeah, no, that was pretty good. I'll, I'll add another hole with, uh, out of bounds, right. would be number one. You don't even think about it, but you got the driving True. Range driving range. Yeah. Um, and again, those guys are mostly hitting hybrid or, or, or iron off that T. So it's right. not a huge issue, but, uh, I know you and I have come close. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've been over there. I, I agree to an extent with the distance thing. And I think part okay. of is uh, because of the wind, because of the firmness, these fairways are, are going to be harder to hit. You're not going to hit as many fairways. You're not going to hit as many greens. Um, and so I'm going to factor in angles with your driving distance, right? If you are in the right spot, you can play from the rough, right? Yeah. I think a perfect example um, is what should be a birdie hole number four, right? A very short par four. Yes. If you miss that fairway short, right? You may have a 60-yard shot, but you cannot hit the green, right? You can't stop it. Zero chance to hit the green from there if you're pitching over the bunker. So, um, yeah, staying out of the water is, is, is important. Fairways would be great, but you're not going to hit a lot. Um, and you're just not going to have that many birdie opportunities, right? If, if you're hitting eight or nine greens a day and having four or five makeable birdie putts, like that, that's probably all you're going to get. Um, yeah, so, yeah, try and keep doubles off the card. Try and take advantage of the couple of par fives you have. And, uh, yeah, stay dry. You mentioned the firmness of the greens, and I think about that too because there are a couple holes where I also think the distance is a major advantage, like the second hole. Um, mm-hmm. If you're too far back there, it is really hard to hold that hold that green on the second hole, especially when it's on that sort of back-level tier. Oh, yeah. um, even if you're coming from that right rough on the second hole, you're able to elevate it enough where you can hit that, and that's sort of the proper angle to attack that as well. Same with the sixth hole. The sixth hole is a par five with mm-hmm. a skinny little like narrow, um, like a kidney bean type green. Like if you're too far back, it is really hard to hold that. And they play it as a par four to even hold that green and clear yeah. that trap and get it to stop there. Unless you're coming in with enough height, where you are able to sort of that hole sucks. Hold that green. Yeah. yeah. And like that hole sucks because usually you've got the wind um, that's coming kind of behind you, but going right. So unless yeah. you're willing to start it over the water, you're blasting it into those trees and rough on the right. Then you're coming in from what? 215, 220. Yes. Water yeah. bunker, it's yeah, it's an awful hole. Yeah, water left like Gator Island to your left hand side there too. Yeah, it's the yeah. Uh, Get some good alligator shots this week. Yep. PGA National always brings it for sure. Are you going any days? Possibly Friday. Yeah. Okay. Cool. 
All right. Um, let's get uh, – let me bring up the odds board here. Let's see who we like. Let's make some picks. All right. Cognizant Classic. I got to keep repeating that to ingrain it in my brain. But Rory McIlroy is back here. Um, Rory won this event, like I mentioned, in 2012. He finished runner-up two years later to Russell Henley. Then he, like, essentially missed the next three cuts, and we haven't seen him since 2018. He was miscut, miscut, 56, totally out of it. He's like, fuck PGA National. I'll never come back there again. I imagine he's saying this. But um, I'm very surprised to see him back at this event, especially I heard, um, I think, him say that he's kind of, like, moved home base out of Florida. Um, I don't know if that's totally transpired yet, but um, certainly nonetheless excited to watch Rory play golf. He's playing in the match now at the park down the road as well. Um, then second on the odds board, I did not see this one coming, Ryan, but it's Cameron Young at 22 to 1, Russell Henley 25, Benny on 28. We got some juicy like names in this high 28 range. Mm-hmm. Matt Fitzpatrick, Eric Cole is there at 30 to 1, JT Poston, Tommy Kim. Those are all the players 30 to 1 and under. Who have you bet? Um, so from this list, we got two. Um, when we were texting on, I guess, Friday night or Saturday, we were talking about Eric Cole. I didn't think we would get a 30. Um, we did get a 30. I actually got a 33 this morning. So I was very in on, on Eric Cole. Um, and then I bet Benny on. There was a a 45 out there. I think there may even been a 50 out there, but I got a 45. I believe it's already crashed to 25, 28, some places. He absolutely loves this course. Um, playing even better now than he probably was back then. He's longer. Uh, he's putting better. Um, just could not be a better spot for those two. Uh, totally agree with you on Cole. Like I mentioned, was excited. I did not get the 33. I was happy to take the 30. Um, just, I think where he excels here, obviously last year, you and Pat and some other people that I know had a huge ticket on him, like 150 to one It was close. He made it to that playoff with Chris Kirk thought Kirk was dead when he missed left. Uh, I thought like that maybe in that little Creek there left, yeah. he managed to like get it out from behind a tree made an incredible third shot, made birdie, made the win. Uh, But it was a great story. It was really where we saw Eric Cole burst onto the scene. Then he just basically didn't stop playing golf till he won rookie of the year. He's now had a week off. The man didn't go to Mexico. He's comes here from the Genesis where, you know, sneaky top 10 finish at a course that does not suit his game, in my opinion, very much. But obviously his strength around the green in putting, particularly on this Bermuda grass, he's really pretty solid and underrated, I think, in bogey avoidance. I took the 30 on Cole, and I got a 35 this morning on Matt Fitzpatrick. Did not expect to see this number. I don't know in what world we're maybe I'm totally off base here, but we're putting Cameron Young as the second favorite in this event. I think it's clearly Matt Fitzpatrick. He's a major championship caliber player. This is one of the two or three most difficult tests on the PGA Tour. The form is not there. But I do feel like, um, you know, he plays, you know, he plays down here at Bears Club. He's used to the Florida grainy Bermuda. Great putter. Um, If he can have a week where he can keep it on the grass off the tee, I think that he's going to be able to accentuate sort of his elite level. Sure. Around the green game, get up and down enough. He doesn't have to get to 24 under par this week. I think if he gets below 10 under par, he's going to be right on the leaderboard and he's someone who won't back down on Sunday. Yeah. Interesting. 
case there. Uh, surprisingly, hasn't played through better, um, especially just sort of being local. Plays plays API really well, obviously. Yes. Um, I'll push back a little on, on on Cameron Young because even though it's not a good course fit, um, he did play really well here back in 2022 when he was here. Ball striking was off the charts, game putting. And uh, he's put up the finishes recently that that a guy like Fitz hasn't, right? He was eighth in Phoenix, um, borderline top 15 at Riv, almost one over in Europe. And the stats, the ball striking, man, off the charts. Um, yeah. It does feel like it's coming for Cameron Young. Probably would say, you know, not going to happen here, but uh, I would not be shocked. Interesting players there right at the bottom of that range. Tom mm-hmm. Kim. I think this is a pretty good course fit for Tom Kim. I don't love it for Min Woo Lee. I think he's mm-hmm. had a little bit of maybe he was sort of pedestaled a little early to start the season, but he's one of the big yeah. names. I think talent wise can win here. And then you have Shane Lowry, who always plays this event. Last year, he was like the best player in the field at this event. Um, and I think that he's sort of been trending in maybe a little bit more of a positive direction than someone like Fitz, but those three players, if I made you pick one, have you bet any of them? Or if you had to, who, who would be your favorite of those three? I haven't. Uh, if I had to bet one, it would probably be Shane Lowry. Um, I think his, his, his skill set works here pretty well. Again, you know, I'll always take the guys who are local. He probably plays here quite a bit, plays out of Bears Club. Bears Club. Um, Midwoo seems like the worst course fit of, of anybody on this list. And again, he played okay here last time he was here, but um, he would be probably the first one for me. Pretty easy to cross off. Um, for Tom Kim, much better course fit. Um, I just want to see it more on these Florida windy golf courses. Um, obviously, I think he'll be very popular in a couple of weeks when we go to Sawgrass. Um, yeah. yeah, those two at the bottom now are, are, are probably more interesting uh, in Kirk and Sungjae. Um there's a lot of guys here where we're going to have to make the uh, course history versus versus recent form argument, starting with Sanjay. Uh, could not be a better course for him. He loves it here. He usually plays really well here, but just hasn't been good for probably the last four to six months. Um, happy to fade him here. Kirk was actually really high for me this week. Um, so I, he's, I, I believe he's, it. he's fourth in my uh, newest model. Ironically, Tom Kim is third, but I don't really buy that. Um, but it's Rory Cole, Tom Kim, Kirk, and then Cameron Young five. So um, I'm not going to bet Kirk again to win. He got his win here. He got his win earlier this year at the Tournament of Champions. But if you're looking for a pivot off of an Eric Cole um, or off of a very popular Benny on, I think Chris Kirk makes a lot of sense. Yeah, you brought up an interesting point in sort of trying to tackle which side you're on in terms of course fit or course form this week. I tend to lean with you and look for guys who are a better fit. There Mm -hmm. is some stickiness with a few players though on course history here. See, I think everyone is going to say that it's so volatile, which it is. You can be a player like Rory and win and go second and then miss three straight cuts. You Mm -hmm. hit one bad tee shot and the penalty for missing one shot is so severe that yeah. you have that sort of volatility. Um, but you look at someone like Sung JM, a player who dominated here the first couple of years, um, DFS open year. We'll never forget it. Kenny, all of us were here sort of cheering yeah. Sung JM on down the stretch an all time moment, but he's playing like shit, dude. I don't know what's wrong with him. He started sort of the 
look back pause on his swing. I don't know if you yeah. noticed that, but um, for the first time since I looked in his PGA Tour career, he's lost strokes on approach now in four consecutive starts, which is which is bad news. And I don't see him sort of riding that ship, especially this week. If your irons are off and your confidence from 125 to 200 yards is not yeah. there, this is a terrible course to show up to next on the schedule. Yeah, and so I think that's a good segue into sort of what buckets and what type of player you're looking for. You know, last week uh, in Mexico, obviously pure distance and that bucket of over 200 approach, which we saw a shit ton of. These guys, you know, they had five wounds into par fours and stuff like that. You're not going to see that here, right? You're going to see mostly 150 to 200. Uh, You're going to see some wedges. And so I think that brings a different type of player in here where you don't need to just be hammering the Cameron champs and the Tony Finals of the world. We've got a lot of guys here with positive course history who have played well. Kirk is obviously your defending champion. Daniel Berger has lost in a playoff year. He's been fantastic in, in other years and very familiar with playing well around mm-hmm. this place. Um, Corey Connors has kind of not had great results here, but I do think is a good course fit. Keith Mitchell, obviously with a win. Sepp Straka with a win. They're in that 40 to 45 range. Um, this is kind of Luke List is 50 to 1. That's one that I bet. This is kind of where I found myself this morning circling and grabbing mm-hmm. up a couple names like right around this 40 to one range and hoping that they're it's, it's going to be their week because mm-hmm. I'm ready for the Thursday morning, early tilt of Honda week. <laughs> yeah, for sure. We were talking about it before we came on, but I had kind of already decided that I was betting Keith Mitchell and Luke list. So uh, made that pretty easy when they were both around 50 this morning. Yeah. Um, you know, as I was, kind of looking through some of this stuff. And again, at that approach bucket, a lot of these guys um, are not good from that range. Like I look at Bo Hostler, I look at Jaeger. Uh, Berger's actually good, but obviously those stats are are, are pretty outdated. Right. Uh, but I think Straka is, again, very interesting case here because everybody's going to look at the uh, recent finishes and say, you know, hey, he's, he's, he's not in form. But if you look at it, it's putting. And it was Poa putting. And you know where he's from and you know what he's good at and you know what course he loves. So I am I'm kind of willing to overlook the fact that he lost uh, on average about four strokes putting every event on POA. Um, yeah, he was minus uh, 1.57 at Farmers, minus a half at AT&T and then minus 1.37 per round at RIV. Um, I love this for him. A first and a fifth the last two years. Not going to be popular at all this week. So uh, I'm in on some steps, Straka. Okay. I feel that. Um, I took three. You mentioned you had Keith Mitchell as well. Um, I have three here. It was Corey Connors. Um, was was He was the guy that I was sort of waiting for the number to drop and wanted to bet here. Another guy that I know is familiar with, with grainy Florida Bermuda, lives here locally. Yeah. Hasn't played this event a ton, but has had other success at places in Florida like Valspar, like Bay Hill. Um, I just think it's a great fit. I love the way he's sort of been quietly trending. Like he's having good rounds, but he's ultimately not having good results. And I think this is the reason that we got a number like 35 or 40 to one on Corey Connors, because you've got T24, T28, T31, nothing to sort of write home about, but the approach numbers, the off the tee, the ball striking is always there with Connors. 
Um, I, I took Jaeger. I, this is the last one and it was kind of just a gut like feeling 45 to one Jaeger. Cause I've been riding him for so long, yeah. but I see some of the concerns that you have from 125 to 200 yards and it's really not his wheelhouse range. And then I got our boy Luke list, um, T2 at the Genesis thought with about eight holes left that he could run away with that thing. He mm -hmm. looked fantastic there. I was on him the year that he ultimately ended up losing at the very end to Justin Thomas. I, I think that his distance and his ability to sort of get in grooves with the driver could be a big advantage here. And he's a great long iron player. So if he does have to club down on some of these tees and hit like a spicy three or a four iron out there, 230 yards, he's a guy that I know has that shot in the bag. It's going to come down to the putting for Luke list. Like it ultimately always does. But I think there are more positive signs to point to heading into the event this year than he maybe has had throughout his career. So maybe it's not fixed, but maybe it's something that is getting better. And if he continues to do the things that he always does well, I think 50 to one is a very fair price on, on old Luke list this week. Yeah. And I mean, obviously he's done it at this golf course. Uh, he's a Bermuda guy, right? From yes. he's from Tennessee. Yeah. Went to Vanderbilt. I think he's, uh, he lives yeah, in Augusta now. They say Augusta. I think he lives there now. He was from okay. Tennessee. Yeah. Okay. Went to Vanderbilt. Um, yeah. Yeah. He has played well at this golf course, has a pretty underrated short game in terms of, you know, uh, being able to pitch the ball here. And the putter is is better, right? He seems to have found something. I hit him at the uh, at the Sanderson Farms this fall, so still have a soft spot for Luke List. All right, one guy we both kind of have a soft spot for. I haven't bet him this week yet. You have uh, yeah. one of the best players in that range of 125 to 200 yards. We had a big ticket on him a few years ago, and I, I don't know if it's two or three years ago, but I followed mm -hmm. him when essentially nobody was following him and watched a ball-striking exhibition like I don't think I've ever seen in all my years at the Honda Classic. <laughs> he was stalking pins on the par yeah. threes, hitting everything to six feet and not making a single putt, but he got himself in contention. He's been playing well. He's a proven winner. I'm talking Adam Svensson. Yep. Any other points to make there on our boy that, that got you on him this week? I mean, he was just uh, he was just sixth in Tita Green at Rib in that field yeah. on a golf course that should not fit him on, on grass types and surfaces uh, that we would not expect to see him. It was Matsuyama, Chef Wooders, Alatoris, uh, Xander, Benny on, and then Adam Svensson. So, uh, yeah, you talked about it. Loves this golf course. Um, he wanted the RSM, which is definitely a bit of a comp course here. Um, one on a corn ferry tour course. Uh, I believe at least one of his wins was, uh, on a course very similar to this. So, uh, we love Adam Svensson around these parts. Okay. 60 to one and above range. Alex mm -hmm. Norton, Denny McCarthy, Christian Bezaden, who Jake Knapp is back fresh off a of victory. We'll see how long he lasts in the field was kind of expecting a withdrawal today. Did that news mm -hmm. come yet? Did I miss that? Did not still in the field. Okay. Justin Rowe, Rasmus Hosgard, Ricky Fowler, Thunder Bear, all 66 to one. Um, any leans for you here? I, I'll just get it out of the way. I obviously bet Denny. Um, I'm going to be following <laughs> him this week. I've got plans to meet up with him, hopefully snap a pick. Uh, I did get a message from Denny that says, yes, I'm happy to be back in Florida um, and ready to go. So that was enough for me to pull the trigger on 65 to one. He's the only tour player that I could message like that and will get back to me. Team Denny for life. There was never mm -hmm. going to be a cognizant classic where I don't bet him. It's interesting that 
you know, he talked about this and I found it pretty interesting that while players may hate PGA national, mm-hmm. a lot of them are very endeared to this place because they have such fond memories for so many guys. This was a life changing moment in golf course with them. Cause this is where they qualified through Q school. And so yeah. many players look back and say, that was the biggest moment of my life. Like even if they have PGA tour wins, Getting through Q school is a life-changing moment for them, and so many of them remember fondly PGA National through that, and I think Denny was one of those guys. He talked about it blowing 30 to 40 miles an hour, and he shot even par on the last day Mm -hmm. and went up like 50 spots on the leaderboard because guys were coming in and posting like 88s. Um, He's really fond of this place. He likes it. He enjoys tough, tough golf courses, and I'm going to bet him here and kind of plug my nose and close my eyes and not look at some of the the approach and off the tee numbers recently. Yeah, you know, I think Denny passes the test of if you fast forward to Sunday evening and he's holding the trophy, would you be surprised, right? <laughs> and, and I think at a course like this, the answer would be no. Uh, this yeah. is definitely the type of place that I would take him, you know, here at Wyndham, obviously. Um I did not get to any of these guys in this range because, again, I kind of stayed shorter. However, um, in terms of, of you know, value plays and guys who uh, I think will be popular or should be popular, uh, Christian Bezaidenu is very, very high for me this week. There were, I think, some 80s and 90s this morning, which, which almost got me. Um, I probably would have needed 110 or more. Um, but his iron play has been ridiculous. Yeah, and... Probably. And still one of the best putters out there. Plays surprisingly well in Florida. Uh, he's made both cuts here, hasn't really done much, but uh, plays Bay Hill very, very well. And so, again, I think if he has another good week here, he will be a very popular play uh, at Bay Hill next week, too. Yeah, another one that's kind of interesting, and I have not bet this yet, but I thought about Mark Hubbard, and I bet mm-hmm. Mark Hubbard last week, and he's just been super sharp with his irons. There's not many weeks better on the entire tour season than his week. I believe at the farmers, he gained like eight strokes on approach mm-hmm. that week um, at Torrey Pines, followed that up with the top five at Pebble Beach, played pretty well and sort of lingered through the first two and a half days and sort of that top five in Mexico at a course that I don't, I think he was just outmatched in terms of power at Mexico. He yeah. comes back here, he's another Southeast guy. And if he sort of has that confidence with his irons, you know, he told one of the reporters at Pebble, they were following him, that he was like so hoping that they were able to play that Sunday because he said he's never struck the ball better in his life. Now, that may be him sort of pumping his own tires, but those are the guys like you have to have that self-confidence and your ability to hit a 160 yard shot exactly where you need to hit it at a course like this or you will quickly be exposed. So those are the type of names that I'm sort of circling on here. Uh, We talked a little bit about Taylor Pendrith earlier. He kind of rated out high in my model. You know, there's a couple of guys like EVR and Davis Thompson that were very popular last week. Mm -hmm. Are you willing to go? like back in that direction, or is it such a different course profile that you're looking for a different skill set here? Looking for a different skill set, uh, for sure. Uh, especially of someone like Thompson. Again, he's borderline in that Cameron Champ mold. I think he's a slightly better putter, but, you know, bombs it off the tee really good from the over 200 bucket. I don't necessarily trust him below that. Um, yeah, I mean, just kind of looking at these guys, I, I think Doug Gim will be popular just with the recent form. 
Uh, but then you look, he's, he's over three here. So that, that certainly raises some red flags. Um, seeing Thomas Dietrich down here after being one of the favorites last week, right? He was like 20 to one last week. Yeah, and he was. Um, yeah, kind of way down here. Uh, ben Griffin, always popular down here, but, but no, I'm, I'm not on, on, on any of these guys here. Yeah. It's interesting. Actually, it's, it's a number at 70 to one. That's, it's mm -hmm. not terrible on Doug Gim, but I was looking yeah. through some of my old betting cards at the Honda because I yeah. have the little pictures of them. And there was a year, I'm not sure if it was two years ago, maybe where Doug Gim was like 28 to one. And yeah. I had him on the card here. I'm like, what oh, in the world was that? Brutal. Um, okay. Matt Wallace played well, Matt McNeely. These are all guys, you know, I'm not going to name them all, but over a hundred to one, uh, this week is it's like, give me a long shot bomb that you sort of have been circling on and, and keying in for this course. Oh, you want to do that now, huh? Yeah, let's do that. All right, here you go. I got one for you. We can play a little game here. Uh, so this player, uh, was in the top 10 strokes game Tito green last week in Mexico. Uh, he actually had the lowest weekend score at uh, minus 10. So lowest score over the weekend, closed with a 65. He has three top 17 finishes at this golf course, including a third. Three top 17. He has one on a comparable course at Heritage. He has a second at the Wyndham comp course. Uh, and he has a third at Charles Schwab comp course. And he is on your screen right now. Is it CT? It's CT Pan. And I got, so FanDuel this morning uh, had a road 350 to one. Jesus. Uh, again, really? I put 10 bucks on it. Like, whatever. It's fine. Didn't he finish like fourth last week? Yeah. Yeah. He was right there. Uh, he, he finished tied for third last week. Closed with, so open 71, 67, 67, 65, which was the low round on Sunday. Uh, was fourth in approach on Sunday. Top 10 tee to green. Again, a guy who can win, right? He's proven that. He won the Heritage. He would have won win them, but he hit damn tee shot out of bounds on the 18th hole on Sunday with the lead. Um, That's right, yeah. Yeah, just a crazy number because, again, he should be in this range, probably, you know, 120 to 150. Um, I think the other guy that we just scrolled past up there, Lee Hodges, um, and I think for a DraftKings play specifically, he's at 6,500 this week. Obviously, we have a ton of guys down in that 6K range, so you can really kind of play whoever. But you talk about a course fit, a guy who loves Bermuda. I believe he has a ninth and a 14th in his two appearances here. Um, he won on what some call a comp course. Uh, at the 3M because of all the water. I don't necessarily buy that, but, you know, obviously have to avoid the water. But seeing him down there at 120 to 1, um, I think he makes a lot of sense as well. Yeah, that actually makes sense to me a little bit as a decent comp course that I forgot that I've sort of looked at in the past. Um, yeah. I'll have the long shots video out tomorrow, but one guy I was sort of looking at earlier today and may make that card. Mm -hmm. um, I thought about... You know, there's four Kims in this field. The one guy <laughs> that kept popping for me was your boy Chan Kim. Yeah, that's uh, right. Finished top 10 last week. Finished top 10. I'm not sure if it was Phoenix. Was it Phoenix top? He had another top or American Express this season. Yeah, 14th there. Yeah. So he has two good finishes. Um, we mentioned like some of the Corn Ferry guys. They're eager for these starts. And you got wins out of Grayson mm -hmm. Murray. And you got wins out of Jake Knapp. And Chan Kim was the number two on the Corn Ferry points. What do those three guys have in common? Do you know? No. Basically, the three oldest guys who came off the Corn Ferry. Really? 
Chan is, uh, I believe he's 34. Obviously, Grayson's been around forever. Jake Knapp's 29 or 30. 29. Um, yeah, Chan Kin, I mean, he was a prolific winner on the Asian tour, on the Japanese tour where he was there. I think he had eight wins. Um, and not only won twice on the Corn Ferry last year, but did it back to back at the end of the year, right? Like yeah. sort of leading into the playoffs. Um, he's qualified for a bunch of majors. He's been around. And um, yeah. if there's one thing he does really well, it's the off the tee game. He's going to keep it in play. He's going to hit fairways. Um, Good putters. He's like, yeah. Maybe he's just like a spike putter, but he has some weeks in there where he's gaining like four or five strokes putting. Yeah, like he could, yeah. I mean, especially, I think, again, he's like 6,200 this week. Like, yeah, I would definitely throw him on some teams here. What do you think of the, maybe not the reasoning, I, you don't have to dive into that, but how does it affect your strategy when DraftKings does this now where they're going from like 12, they're basically creating yeah. like a 7K spectrum of players versus what was normally a 5K. Like, how does that affect your builds? Well, I think with this week specifically, it's it, it's probably going to make me play more Rory than I was going to um, because I don't think like there's a gap between him and Cam Young, but I don't think they made them expensive enough. Like yeah. when they used to do this with like Ryder Cup DFS or with the match play DFS and have guys or like the Tour Championship, Scotty Scheffler was like 15K, right? Or 14K, whatever it was. Yeah, um, yeah it's, it's, it's very easy. Like there were legit guys at like 5,100 that you could play this week. Right. Um, yeah. So I think it's going to lead people to play more Rory, playing more Rory Cole or uh, Rory uh, M lineups, uh, that sort of thing. Chalkiest guy on the slate this week. Rory? So, no. Okay. I'm going to say, I was thinking about this earlier because, like, my first, like, when I went through pricing, the first, and again, maybe this is our bias. The first guy who jumped out to me was Svensson. I said, Svensson is too cheap. I think he'll be very popular. But I also I also think Bez at that same price. Um, yeah. So in the low range, I'll say Doug Gim is going to probably be the most owned of that. At the top, I still think uh, I still think people are going to click in Eric Cole. And I think they're going to do it for two reasons. One, you can fit him with Rory pretty easily. And I'm, I'm probably going to be one of those who does that. But two, you can start your teams with Eric Cole. Because nobody really wants to play Cameron Young. No one's really going to play Fitz. Are they going to pay 10-2 for Henley? Probably not. Probably not. You go Cole, you grab one or two more from there. So, yeah, I think Eric Cole's probably going to be the highest. All right, cool, dude. Thanks for coming on the show. Appreciate you. As always, Ryan Baroff, you are one of the best, most elite follows on all of Twitter. Um, thanks for coming on, bud. I'll see you tomorrow. Sounds good. See you tomorrow, bud. Right and early. Sir. Later, Arby. Bye-bye. All right, guys, thanks for tuning into the show tonight. I have an extremely jam-packed schedule this week, uh, doing some stuff tomorrow with the golf bet team, doing some stuff tomorrow, uh, maybe going to get out and play a little bit. I don't know. We'll see how things go. But six articles this week, six podcasts. It's all on deck. This is my absolute favorite week of the year. Make sure to give me a follow on Twitter at Tour Picks. Um, subscribe to this YouTube channel if you enjoyed the show this week. Um, I always enjoy the hell out of seeing all of you in the comments here. Thank you once again for checking out Preferred Lines. I'm going to talk to you guys soon. I'll bring you keep bringing out quality content, hopefully, for, for the Cognizant Classic of the Palm Beaches this week. I wish you the best of luck. Look, I told you we were going to get a winner. Last week on this show, I said, this is the time we're finally breaking through. It's been seven weeks on the year. We're due. We finally crashed the 40 to 1. 
card will be out Wednesday. We're going back to back. Uh, welcome to Palm Beach. I'll talk to you guys soon. I'm out of here. Peace.